This is David McCall, host of the QTS Experience podcast. This week, I'm joined by Dr. David Maiman, a professor in the Department of Criminal Justice and Criminology at Georgia State University and the director of the Evidence-Based Cybersecurity Research Group. Dr. Maiman's research into the world of cybercrime is a lot like studying predators on the African savanna. Every day is an exhilarating adventure filled with the thrill of observing and unraveling the complex behaviors and interactions of some of the most creative and dangerous criminals on the planet. When we talk about cybercrime, it's hard for us to get our head around the levels of complexity, depravity, and depth that this can entail, much less the amount of money that's stolen. And my friends, our reputations, our ideas, and our money, lots and lots of our money, are stolen. David talks about how his team travels the public and dark webs to track, observe, and report on the fascinating, dangerous, and diverse world of cybercrime. Please join me and my friend, Dr. David Maiman, on the next QTS Experience. The most valuable commodity on Earth today is data, how we make it, use it, move it, and protect it. My name's David McCall. Join me today for the QTS Experience. David, so you have all of these credentials, but you have this most interesting path to this topic we're talking about today, cybercrime. How did you end up in your journey ending here? Uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting question. Um, I, I, I didn't want to be here. <laughs> uh, I, I wanted to be in Australia in uh. a submarine chasing squids. That's, <laughs> that, that was my dream. How do you chase uh, squid in a submarine? Well, I mean, I don't know if you know, but um, we know more about the moon than, than we know about yes, the deep. I've actually heard that a few uh, times. So, Isn't that terrifying? Uh, yeah, when, when I graduated uh, from uh, The Ohio State University with, yeah. uh, with a PhD in sociology. Man, if they just had a kicker, things could be <laughs> I different. I know, I know. <laughs> we, we, we're still, we still mourn about that. <laughs> um, so when I, when I graduated, I, I uh, started looking at what I, I was doing at the time, and uh, I told my wife that... I just, I don't want to do it anymore. Right. Um, you know, I I want to do something else, and and that's what I want to do. I want to chase the giant squid. Right. At the time, uh, there weren't too many uh, videos uh, of the giant squid, uh -huh. and so I had it in my mind that I have to find it and 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 film it right. uh, in a submarine. And uh, and my wife told me that I I'm more than welcome to do that, but she will divorce me. You know, had had I done that, uh, and 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 since uh, you know, like my wife, I love my wife and uh, and my kids. I I, you know, I I took the the first position as a professor. Yeah. And uh, but but I was still very frustrated with um, uh, the type of work I was doing back then. Back then, we were doing a lot of research around neighborhood effects, mm -hmm. sort of trying to understand how. Uh, residential communities contribute to your deviant outcomes. Mm. Um, so things like poverty, uh, things like what we back then called collective efficacy, mm. uh, social cohesion in the neighborhood, how all those translate into your deviant outcomes such as violent crime, suicide, mm. um, property crime, of course, and so on. So, so I, I, I really didn't like it. And um, I was this assistant professor mm -hmm trying to make tenure mm -hmm. uh, in, in, a, in a pond packed with sharks. Everybody right. had money. Right. 
Everybody had a really cool piece, and I was I was trying to figure out. You know, was this still at the Ohio State University? No, that was uh, in in the University of Maryland. Okay. Uh, my second position as a professor. So I was a professor for one year um, in the University of Miami. Then I I um, there was an opening in the University of Maryland, which was a great school. Mm. Went there, and uh, it, you know I I just couldn't take it anymore. So so I I I started looking around to try and figure out. Um, you know, uh, areas of research which will get me excited. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to some of the big names, and um, you know, they're, they're, both of them said that cybercrime um, may be a, a really interesting avenue for me to pursue because back then it t- there wasn't too much good research. Mm. Um, so uh, I. Started looking around and uh, started to figure out what do we know about cybercrime and how do we study cybercrime in uh, the criminological discipline and the information science discipline and the, in, in the computer science and cybersecurity disciplines and realized that I think I think I can contribute here. Mm-hmm. Um, it was interesting, right? I mm-hmm. mean, there, there was there was nothing there, and in in parallel to the to the deeps where you look and see new creatures, I thought that that could be. You know my deeps, right? And, right? and maybe I'll be able to find my giant squid, yeah. uh, you know, in the darknet, or um, you know, now on encrypted communication platforms, and all those all those platforms where the criminals are now using in order to make a lot of money. Right. And that was the best decision I've ever made, to tell the truth. Yeah. Uh, I I really enjoy what I do right now. One of the things that um, I love that analogy. I'm also noticing between. Miami and Maryland, there's a water theme there, Terrapins and the right. hurricanes. Right. And, um, is that when I would, basically you're the Jacques Cousteau of cybercrime, when, <laughs> right. I, when I would watch those studies of the deep, in particular back in the 60s and 70s, when I watched them mostly, they went to search one thing, let's say giant squid, yeah. but they would come across all kinds of surprising things in their um, in their process, either something that normally shouldn't be that deep was that deep, or something completely new, or whatever. They were regularly surprised. As you've started your career and moved into this, have you had that same experience where you're like, "What is going on? What's happening here?" Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's why I love what I do because mm-hmm. I don't have a, an agenda, sort of speaking, with respect to what is it that I study. Right. I want to understand what's going on out there. Right. I know that there are a bunch of interesting people using those platforms right. to uh, make a lot of money. And I just, you know, I want to understand how they're doing this, how they're using those those platforms, um, how they're using those platforms in order to attack nations' platforms or companies' platforms or individual platforms yeah. uh, because it's interesting yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, so I don't have a – I mean, of course, when you get funding from sponsor, you are committed to do – you know, X, right? And so you're focusing there, but we're constantly looking aside to try and figure out what's going on, you know, on the right, what's going on uh, to our left, just mm-hmm. to make sure that we have a full understanding of the ecosystem. Um, and once we find interesting things, we keep drilling yeah. uh, or keep diving uh, in our case. Um, I want to ask you in a second about cybercrime and cyber terrorism, but as you're just now describing this, I just realized when I, when I think of crime, I don't think of it like at the nation state level. I think of it at a, like the largest I would probably imagine it is some kind of a racket, either um, the mob mm-hmm. of some sort or 
police racket or some some sort of organization, you right. know, regional maybe organization, a cartel, something like that would probably be the largest I would think of it. Um, and yet, more and more and more, they are learning the skill sets of what we would call cybercrime, the right. ability to hack, the ability to uh, turn off or turn on, listen in, whatever, influence, manipulate everything from the news to whatever, right, to to commit criminal activities. And that may raise to um, the state level. Is that the wrong way to think about it or is that the... It's the right way to think about it. Yeah. Uh, we know of several states, right, who yeah. engage uh, in online crime yeah. in order to sponsor their operation. The best example would be North Korea. We know that North Korea sure. has a... Um, they, they have a very um, substantial group of hackers who operate from outside of North Korea. Uh, oh, they do? I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, the infrastructure, the internet infrastructure in North Korea is not great. Right. So they send the hackers uh, outside of the country and, and they immerse themselves in the population. They try to understand, you know, the culture and, and, and the manners, right, in order to disguise themselves. Um, but at the same at the same time, uh, they use the hosting country uh, infrastructure in order to launch attacks wow. against you know our infrastructure, our right. banks, um, other nations' banks. Mm -hmm. uh, we know that uh, they have been involved in several heists, uh, which resulted in billions of dollars uh, that uh, the North Korean were able to uh, to to bank, right. uh, laundering this money. Uh, very, very sophisticated uh, operation. So I don't have any other way to define what the North Koreans um, are doing mm. other than nation-sponsored cybercrime. Mm -hmm. Now, you're right in the sense that um, uh, you know, it's 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 difficult to think about uh, nations' involvement in different types of crime. But mm -hmm. you know, we know that uh, in the past and uh, to an extent nowadays, uh, several countries are are involved in, mm -hmm. in different types of crimes, mm -hmm. uh, like money laundering. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, violent crimes, which uh, some of us will. Um, identify or term as, as um, crimes of war, mm. right? Uh, these are all crimes that uh, nations tend to, you know, uh, get involved in. But, you know, just to make sure that we're on the same page, crime is a very um, broad definition yeah. of all kind of illegal, illicit, deviant activities that folks engage in. And mm -hmm. so you may, may not uh, right. see... Nations get right. involved in crimes like cyberbullying, maybe. Right. Uh, even though you know nowadays we start to see more and more uh, right. uh, official figures getting involved in this kind of, of crime as right. well. But it's not the nation, right? right? Um, but we definitely see this type of crime uh, at the individual level. So right. our kids, you know, some of us stroll. Right. Um, so you know, really interesting times we we live in. Um, feels like we make these tools, I've said this before on my show, that have so much incredible power. And when we make them, most of the time, we see them for the, uh, the good and the enablement that they can bring. But like most tools, if leveraged not for human right. flourishing, they can, they can extract um, and cause you know, tremendous damage. I do have a question, back to the cyber terrorism, in preparing for this conversation, and we don't have to spend too much time on it. I'm just curious. 
I find all these things underneath the category of cybercrime right. and this other category of cyberterrorism. Do you see them as separate things or is it all sort of under the same umbrella or is there a distinction between them? So this is one of the questions I ask my students oh, uh, okay. in, in my cybercrime <laughs> uh, seminar. Right? I mean, because if you think about, I mean, so first of all, when we talk about cybercrime, uh-huh. again, it's, it's, a, it's a huge concept which um, encompasses so many types of illegal, illicit, deviant behaviors mm-hmm. uh, that you know we are familiar with online. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, this, in this sense, we can differentiate between cyber-enabled crime, which are all those crime who uh, could exist in the absence of computers and the internet, like mm-hmm. uh, fraud or, mm-hmm. or bullying or, or theft. Mm-hmm. Those crimes we know existed before the invention of the internet and computers. Right. And then you have cyber-dependent crimes. And, and those crimes are... Crimes which focuses uh, which focus more on um, uh, or, or which uh, I'll go back. Uh, cyber dependent crimes are crimes which uh, did not could not exist in the absence of the internet and, and computers. Okay. Um, so in the in when we when we talk about cyber dependent crimes, we are talking about crimes like hacking. We're talking about crimes like malicious software, or DDoS mm-hmm. attacks. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you think about cyber terrorism, um, at least in my mind you are definitely thinking about a type of cyber-dependent crime because mm-hmm. what the terrorists are trying to do is they're trying to attack the cyber-terrorists. Mm-hmm. What they're trying to do is they're trying to instill fear based on their ideology and push their ideology by mm-hmm. targeting uh, computer technology. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the difference there mm-hmm. uh, is, is just in terms of ideology. The criminals are doing this because they're trying to make money. Mm-hmm. Uh, the terrorists are simply trying to push their ideology, mm. uh, but at the end, at the end of the, in the end of the day, uh, we're talking about the same target. Right. The computer is the target. Right. So, at least in my mind, cyber terrorism is definitely a type of cyber dependent crime and could be classified as a cyber dependent crime. Um, terrorism is also a very uh, difficult yeah. definition, as you know. I mean, yeah. Yeah, so many definitions of the word, right. and and uh, as as I assume you know, right? Uh, our terrorists is other people freedom fighter, right? right. I mean, so what cyber terrorism is at the right. end of the day, right? Um, if not just attacks against computers motivated by ideology, which is cyber dependent crime. Right. Uh, I had somebody recently, recently within the last year, read. Um, I, I don't know how accurate this was, but they read a description of a group of people attacking another group of people. And then they said to me in this small group I was with, what part of the world do you suppose that was? And we were guessing, you know, all the hot spots of the world today. And they said, yeah, no, that was the British newspaper describing American revolutionary rebels attacking their formations and other people on the uh, uh, on the frontier right. and other organizations as freedom fighters using not standards of war you know all, all of the other things and I you know the context th- almost 300 years later was a much different context you had a very small highly motivated force who believed they were fighting for freedom and independence against a very well-organized, established... And you can get into the morality of... I'm not trying to compare that group to other groups. I'm just saying if you read the description uh, of the day of these events taking place um, without context, my mind did not jump to you know people that I would think of as patriots. Right. I jumped That's to right, yeah. as people that I think are 
um, you know, evil that need to be removed from the face of the earth. So, so, the, so I agree with you, right? I yeah. mean, the definition sometimes could be misleading, right? right. I mean, so you have cyber terrorism, but then you have people talking about cyber warfare. Right. What, what cyber warfare is? I mean, uh, uh, you know, there, there, uh, there, there are a lot of conversations around, and, and there were a lot of conversations around, um, you know, malicious software that we sent to Iran uh, <clears throat> in order to attack their uh, nuclear plants, mm -hmm. right? Um, uh, you know, are, are we engaged when we do these kind of things? I mean, are we engaged in cyber warfare mm -hmm. or are we considered terrorists to the Iranian right. government? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's definitions. And as you know, in our world nowadays, uh, it's, it's very difficult to agree on, on one standalone definitions of pretty much anything, I think. Yeah. Um, especially things you can't really measure and things in my mind which uh, are driven by human motivation and, and human in general. Yeah, uh, it's, um, yeah, I, I would, we're going to have to come back because I would love to dive deep into that. Sure. Uh, I don't know if any of it will ever make the air, <laughs> sure. but it would, uh, it would be a lot of fun because it, um, for me, unrelated, but similarly, I have, uh, because I have a wide spectrum of experiences as a human being here in the U.S., living on the West Coast primarily, but a lot in Texas and other parts of the country, have a lot of experience with um, immigrant population, a lot of which is being demonized. And I, I tend to be a libertarian conservative. Okay. And so when you run into real human beings that are in the midst of escaping from a horrible life into a better life, um, if you listen to the news... This group of people is categorized by one way. If you're there on the ground, in some instances, there are criminals. There is criminal right. activity. That is horrific for these border towns to be delivering. But in a lot of cases, there isn't. In other words, I guess what I'm trying to say is it gets very complicated yeah. when there's a face to. It's not some label on a television or some other news media. It's a human being who you know that's, that's a right. wonderful human being. And it, it just brings a level of... Um, it requires a level level of introspection and what do we value as human beings and what do we stand for as people groups. Um, at the same time, we have to guard the communities around us. We cannot, um, you know, the sheepdog's got to be watching for the wolves mixed in with the sheep right. because there are wolves mixed in with the sheep. And right. it's a pretty significant consequence if they get into, uh, they get into the flock, they'll destroy it. So again, perspective is important. Yeah. In this sense, right? I mean, so I think I think uh, this is one of the things many people don't have. So so I'm with you 100. I mean, many people in this country and all over the world. I mean, they simply consume the popular media. They consume whatever they see on social media, and then they form an opinion based on whatever they consumed. Right. Uh, whether that is the right thing to do or not, that's. Yeah. Uh, not to me to tell, right? Yeah. Uh, but but I think that once, as you say, you know these people. Once you understand what's what they're all about, mm -hmm. once you bring in you bring in, in, in another like a new perspective mm -hmm. uh, with respect to how to process all the information that you just consume from social media or from from the popular media, and that that is to me extremely important, especially in this day of, uh, of an age where there's so much disinformation coming yeah. from Russia, coming from China, coming from all over the place, right? right. Trying to just grab our attention right. um, and then nudge us, right, right. to think uh, this way or another. So so that's why I think the, the most important skill nowadays uh, we should teach our kids in this country is critical thinking. Yeah. Because 
we are bombarded with so much noise yeah. and so much disinformation uh, that we got to give them the tools that will allow them to understand, okay, I mean, I'm, I just read this, but does it this makes sense. I mean, I mean how, how my experience translate to sort of uh, process the information I just read and, and form some intelligent uh, thought around this. Yeah. Um, so uh, 100%, I think perspective is, is, is key and it's very challenging to do this nowadays because uh, our kids are just glued to their phones and tablets. Yeah. Um, I think and you're going to have to pull them and then get them experience real life, you know, right. uh, talking to an immigrant uh, right. and then not talking to them just, right. you know, in, right. in, 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 a, in a formal right. context. Just send them there and let's, 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 let's get to know each other, you right. know. Um, perspective in my mind is the most important thing we can try and teach our kids today. I think so. The, um, the critical thinking, I, I, the, just one little piece to tease on this. I, I have an upcoming guest. He is... Um, Really interesting background. I believe he's out of Cambridge. His specialty is artificial intelligence and the law. That's his kind of his very focused mm -hmm. area. Um, and one of the things, talking about perspective, one of the things that AI is helping, but also an unintended negative consequence is AI is coming in and helping attorneys and paralegals do discovery right. in a very full way. But the more that it does it, the less experienced the attorneys have. And so by the time they get to trial, they may not be the trial attorney, they may be um, one that supports or whatever. But what they're concerned about is if you don't have that three to five years of experience of really in the trenches with discovery beyond mm -hmm. school, yeah, um, there's a skill and an intuition that comes with that to sniff stuff out. And so you don't recognize if you're without that intuition, you don't recognize I'm going off on a false trail, or I'm leading, heading head speed into a brick wall or whatever. I haven't built up my intuition. It's like the GPS. For those of us who have driven for decades before we had a GPS, when our GPS starts telling us things that we're like, wait a minute, my spidey sense tells me, no, get off here, or no, stay here, don't get off there. That's a disaster area to get off at, or whatever. Um, but we've got that intuition built into us through experience and through uh, tribal lore of uh, the community around us. And if your community is this narrow community and you don't have those direct and indirect experiences, you could fall a segue into violent or uh, uh, cybercrime or some other circumstance because you just aren't aware because these tools have removed that experience. And that's true. I agree 100%. And I think that's a group in area, any area of life. Yeah. So uh, we, we, we see that's what happens right now in the context of uh, fraud fighters, right? Mm. And, and cybercrime fighters and cybercrime experts. I mean, many people rely on tools, rely on uh, platforms to tell them what's going on without really understanding the ecosystem, without developing the intuition, without really you know, running some mileages out there without the tools, right? right. Without really... You know, having someone telling you how to think and um, you know how to form a thought about whatever you're seeing right now, without mm. without really um, challenging yourself with respect to uh, understanding what, mm -hmm. what you're looking at. Mm -hmm. um, so I agree. I mean, those tools are great, uh, but at the end of the day, they 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 kind of enable um, folks 
think that uh, we're seeing this also happen in the context of science, right? Mm. I mean, we see a lot of amazing tools, amazing statistical programs folks coming up with. But at the end of the day, I mean, uh, uh, many, many of the tools, many of the claims that we see out there uh, rely heavily on the tools without really um, using the scholar's uh, intellect to right. really understand whether this makes sense or not. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, happens, I mean, I agree. Happens in medicine a lot, too. I've seen so many times. I went to a... Uh, Hack, hacker event, Hack New York City back in, I think it was 2018, it might have been 2019. And one of the folks that was presenting showed how cyber criminals had hacked a regional hospital. Mm-hmm. And what this hospital would do is they would bring in their medical gear, put it on a shelf, turn it online. And um, it wasn't uncommon that it would sit there plugged into the internet for some period of time, not in a DMZ, right. not offline, but just plugged in. And they would get hacked and they'd get compromised. But the IT staff didn't even realize it. They were not obvious about it. And so um, the hackers weren't. So anyway, they would they would then proliferate throughout the network across all the machines. And so the machines would get put into the OR, for example, and they simulated this in this really cool demo and he went through this whole thing and so the the these experienced you know ten, six to eight year experienced physicians and nurses were working on this patient and all of a sudden they started rea- reacting to data coming out of the machines and they're attempting on this patient it's uh, it wasn't a cadaver but it's just like very lifelike synthetic material right and they kept losing this patient over and over and over and they couldn't figure out what was going on so on the fourth attempt, somebody said, hey, maybe it's the machines. It's telling us blood pressure is good when the blood pressure is not good, or it's bad when it's good and we're reacting and we're putting cardiac distress. So they said, there's something wrong with the machines. So they get rid of the machines and they run into the closet and they get a whole new set of machines. But they've all been hacked. They're all compromised. (laughs) They put the new machines in and they, you know, I don't know if they ever, without the um, assessors telling them. But anyway, it was just by illustration. This has happened. We've seen this happen at a number of high-profile hospitals. I I know primarily in the UK, but in other places where um, we're running off of the machine. You know, we're more a technician than we are a practitioner. And I'm not trying to overly criticize anybody that's using tools. It's human nature to lean strong on these tools. Um, But I saw somebody the other day driving and their Elaine assist didn't alert them. They almost pulled into another. I'm like, what are you doing? Oh, my Elaine assist didn't. You you know you've got to check all your mirrors before you do something. And it's something that we need to... uh, Anyway, without lamenting over and over and over, what are the most common... When we say cybercrime, to your point, like it's a huge category. Now, when I was a kid and somebody was telling me to worry about crime, there are a few things. Like I worried about, um, you know, if I was in a big city, I was hyper aware of my, even though I'm a big person, hyper aware of my surroundings. What streets am I walking down? What time of day? Who am I moving with? I feel very secure sort of in these big public main thoroughfares in the middle of the day. I'm very cautious once I move off of those or if the time of day changes. And so just through um, uh, training, experience, parental instruction, I kind of guard myself against that kind of street crime. If somebody's coming up to sell me a watch on the street and it's some fancy watch, it probably is. Like, 
you know, you, you, my daughter went to New York City a couple years ago and she called me up crying because she had paid a hundred bucks for a ring and she had com been completely pressured and fooled into doing this. And we're like, well, you know, that's a pretty good teacher. You will never be fooled like that again. Yeah. In the, so I, this is, some was intuitive, but a lot was taught. How, when we talk about cybercrime, does that translate? How do we, like, what are the common things that people need to worry about? Because we're almost numb to the word or the idea now, because we do everything online. Um, and I feel like many times, at least in my personal case, I'm not always taking as many precautions or hyper aware as I should be. I think that um, the most important thing uh, folks should be aware of is the fact that their information could be used. And in the context of cybercrime, and again, cybercrime is, is, as we mentioned earlier, a very broad definition. And, and, and um, when we talk about cybercrime, we talk about, you know, we talk about uh, crimes like cyberbullying. At the same time, we're talking about uh, hacking. Or, or identity or, or, theft. Or, or identity or, theft, right. exactly. So we need to, when we talk about cybercrime, we need to be uh, very, very cautious, right, in respect mm -hmm. to what type of crime we're, we, we're talking about. Like, right. you know, when we talk about crime in uh, the physical world, we're talking right. about violent versus property right. crime, right? So it should be, the, the discussion should be uh, very similar in this mm -hmm. sense. But I think the common denominator out there um, is information. And the fact that information is out there mm -hmm. and folks are using the information. Mm -hmm. Even if not out there, uh, even if the information is not out there, someone wants to get your information. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so in that sense, I think that the most important uh, skill folks should have nowadays when we think about cybercrime is uh, protecting their information. How to protect your information? How to make sure that you know you're not going on you know going on, on Facebook or uh, Twitter or Instagram and not disclose and disclose information that then could be used against you. Mm -hmm. um, how to protect your information in such a way that the criminal will not be able to take your information and then use it to steal money mm -hmm. uh, from you or from the banks or from the government. Mm. Um, you know, information is king nowadays. Mm -hmm. Data is mm -hmm. uh, very important and you can do a lot uh, with data. And I think uh, if someone wants to sort of, uh, this is just my my opinion, right, mm -hmm. in the context of cybercrime, I mean, maybe other cybercrime scholars will have different mm -hmm. um ideas about what folks should be most aware of in terms of skills. Mm -hmm. I think the, the most important skill we should teach our kids, like, you know, mm -hmm. you were talking about when you were a kid, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, what to avoid and where mm -hmm. not to go, right? Mm -hmm. Is how to protect your information, how mm -hmm. to make sure that um, whatever you put out there could not be used against you and um, could not be used to steal money from you, mm -hmm. uh, to put you in trouble in the future when you're trying to go to school, when you're trying to... Um, uh, you know, get a, uh, your first uh, real position, you mm -hmm. know, uh, in the industry or wherever, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's to me the most important thing. But again, each type of cybercrime requires different types of skills, right? right. Um, um, you know, so we can we can definitely dive deep in, in, right. and talk about each of those uh, types of cybercrime. But um, the common denominator, um, uh, in my opinion, is is information, right? Okay. I mean, we need to make sure we keep that information safe. We need to make sure that we do not disclose information that could be used against us. Um, and yeah, that's the that's the best skill we can teach our uh, kids nowadays, uh, as well as 
processing the information that they consume from social media outcomes, right. as, as we uh, mentioned earlier. Critical thinking is extremely important, making sure that if someone approaches you online, like offline, right? I right. mean, uh, you know whether this guy is you know, trying to uh, hustle you or, or not, right? right? I mean, you're going to be able to pick up the correct sign, sort of speaking. Uh, sort of speaking. Yeah. Um, these, these are the skills in my mind that are most valuable right now in the context of trying to protect our you know, kids from, from cybercrime. Right. Mine are all in their early 20s now, and I've trying to, they, they do a lot online, as we were talking about earlier. I was trying to convey to one of them, why, why are you posting that stuff? What do you mean? Well, would you walk around with your driver's license uh, and a three by five card on your, I'm not even sure they know what a three by five card is, but would you have that taped right here as you went out to the concert or the grocery store or the gas station or wherever you went, just wandering around out there. People see your full name, your address, your date of birth, all this. Of course not. You would never do that. Well, you're doing that and more by posting and doing these other things. Um, you see, you, you're not even sure why this is um, dangerous, but you know it is. Like your spidey sense tells you that. You don't even recognize the danger over here. Of course, they think their old man's just overreacting and come on, dad. But this is exactly how it happens. It's 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 so not right overreaction. Right. I mean, it's it's definitely what we should be talking about our kids about. Right? Yeah. I mean, um, what is it that the pictures, the images they put out there, um, right. explain to them who's using this information and right. for what purposes, what yeah. kind of data they collect on them. Right. Right. And sometimes we're not talking about the criminals only. I'm talking about the you know governmental. Right. Agencies, right? Collecting right. data about us uh, in order to try to you know, whatever. convince us to do whatever, exactly. Right. And and I'm not even talking about the industry, which wants to know everything in order to make sure that they market any product uh, in, a, in a more efficient way, right? right. I mean, so, so all this information is out there and, and folks are using this information. Right. I think that, you know, our kids should be aware of this. Right. I have a lot of conversation, to tell the truth, with, with some of these kids as, as part of my role as a professor. And I, I find that many of them, as, as you mentioned, and, and, and as you were seeing with your mm -hmm. kids, they, they don't care. They don't mm -hmm. mind. And, and I don't know what it is. I mean, I think, I think maybe, maybe it's a generational thing. Mm -hmm. Maybe, you know, uh, you know they, they just take it for granted because they were born into this. They were born into a society where the, all the information is out there. Yeah. Um, and, and, and they're expected to put all the information about themselves out there, share their lives, share their, you know, everything. Right. Uh, where, when, when we, you know, were kids, on the other hand, yeah. that, that, that wasn't the case, yeah. right? I mean, uh, uh, we were always taught to be private, right, and make right. sure that we keep our privacy and we do not talk to that stranger or that stranger. Right. Everybody is a stranger nowadays right. on, on social media, right? I mean, you keep talking to people you never heard of, never talked to in the past, and you form friendships and relationships. So, right. you know, it's, it's a challenge, I agree. Uh, but I think once you convey folks, uh, the, uh, the, the kids, right, uh, the dangers, um, the, the hazards, right, the, the, the risks of talking to folks they're not familiar with, the you know, what people can do with their information. Um, at least you give them the tools to sort of think a little bit about this yeah. and then form them or their own decision with respect to whether they want to disclose the information or not. And then it's on them. Right. Um, it is. I want to ask you about evidence-based security, but I, I, I just got to say, I, I don't know if this is an indictment of me or <laughs> the kids that I know, but they would, they would on their Discord server, server in half a second share almost any detail with somebody named Moose Poop. <laughs> But 
some authority figure coming up to them at a concert that wants to know their name and why they're there, they're highly suspicious of. I, I just, uh, right. you know, the world's upside down. Um, you, I have read, um, talk about evidence-based security. What does that mean in the context of this conversation? So um, I'm, I'm a scientist, and by that... I just want to make sure that uh, we're clear about what I mean by a scientist <laughs> yeah. because I have so many definitions of scientists nowadays, uh, apparently. I I, uh, I really want to explore. I want to know. Mm. Uh, trying to figure out, you know, the truth. I don't have a set answer right. when, I, when I start my research endeavors. Right. I, I, I really don't know, right. and I want to know. Right. And um, what will help me form an answer... Uh, is is evidence, mm. uh, empirical evidence, hardcore evidence? I can I can see, I can f- feel, mm-hmm. um, which will tell me whether what I'm looking at is is real. Mm-hmm. And if it is real, um, I'll be able to form some you know thoughts around uh, you know the answer and, and come up with with cool answers. So mm-hmm. so this is essentially what the the approach is all about. Evidence based cybersecurity is all about trying to understand. What works uh, and what doesn't in the context of cybersecurity? You have a lot of companies out there, mm-hmm. a lot of regulations out there claiming that if you do this or if you buy this product, your computer, your network, your smartphone, your laptop will be safe. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? I mean, uh, it may be true, but uh, we don't know. Mm-hmm. And so, what evidence based cybersecurity uh, tries to do is really generate this evidence which will uh, allow us to answer this question, what works and what doesn't uh, in the context of cybersecurity. You know, how effective is antivirus on your uh, computer in terms of preventing someone from taking over your computer? Mm-hmm. Um, how effective is two-factor authentication in preventing criminals from taking over your bank accounts? Uh, you know, how, how effective is a firewall in preventing malicious, tra- uh, malicious traffic to your uh, computer? Um, how effective is a warning? or a banner telling you you shouldn't be on this computer mm. in um, nudging hackers away from a computer. This is, this is the type of answers that we um, look for in the context of the industry, uh, simply because uh, there's so much noise out there, so many companies out there, so many experts mm-hmm. out there claiming that they you know, can solve your issues uh, but at the end of the day, what they sell is, is snake oil. Yeah, that's um, exactly what I was thinking. And, and, and to me, as a scientist, as right. someone who really tried to understand, especially right. in this um, environment, that, mm-hmm. uh, the, the financial environment mm-hmm. that, uh, that we all are experiencing right now, I mean, right. we don't have endless budgets. Right. We need to know what works and what doesn't. And if I buy a, pr- a product or if I implement a policy, I want to make sure that it does what it should do. Right. What you promised uh, it would do. And if it doesn't work, then, you know, I need to know about this. Right. And so uh, what we try to do is we try to produce this evidence um, by running field experiments, by collecting data directly from the field. Mm-hmm. Um, we love running lab experiments, but uh, I, I love running field experiments. Even What's a even field better. experiment? How do you do that? Simply be on the field, right? Simply go out there, as we mentioned, on the dark net or, or set up a, a trap Um and then, and then get some hackers taking over the, the, the trap because they will think that it's a real computer or a real right. server or a real smartphone. And then, you know, start playing with them, right? I mean, without them knowing that uh, you participate, that they participate in an experiment. Simply right. configure the system in different ways and 
try to figure out what could we do in order to make sure that the hackers are, you know, if, 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 if they were able to take over the system, right. they're kept on this end of the system, but we right. still keep the holy grail safe, so right. speaking. Um, this is what I'm, this is what make me uh, take really try yeah. to understand how things work in the field right you know out there not in the lab where everything is controlled and right. I can you know work with synthetic data whatever right. that means right I mean I right. manufacture my own data like the machines you were just right. talking about right yeah. I mean I want to see how things work in the wild right. with the criminals with the fraudsters with the hackers with 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 the people who are trying to harm us right um, in order to understand how I can, prevent them from doing this. I think that prevention is problematic nowadays yeah. because if you want to get me, you will get me. You know, right. If the Russians want us, then you right. know, they're in. Right. Same thing with the Chinese. They right. But but right. what potentially we could do at this point where we know that if they want in, they're in, is what can we do in order to mitigate the consequence of the event, the right. consequence of the attack? How can I keep them on a certain area of the of the computer? I'm, I'm comfortable with the hacker on... Keep them away from the holy grail. How can I nudge them away from the computer uh, without, you know, uh, without really investing too much time and 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 and, and thinking in, into doing this, right? I mean, using their biases in in rationality in order to uh, push them to make decision, which will disclose their presence on the system, things of that sort. But you, you can't do that, in my mind, uh, and get and get. Um, uh, cool results which could guide the industry in the right direction unless you're doing this on the field. So yeah. you have to be in the field. You have to, you know, deploy experiments in the field. You have to constantly talk to the criminals and, you know, the, the folks who are trying to get us in order to understand what works and what doesn't. This is what evidence-based yeah. is all about. How, like if you're, let's, <laughs> my mind's exploding. I, I mean, I I don't, trying to formulate my thoughts. One, I have this image of somebody doing evidence-based, you know, 40 years ago before it was cyber, it was just street, walking with $20 bills hanging out of their pockets, you know, and getting mugged and then taking us. Okay, I got mugged on this street, but right. I think about, you know. But how do you, like if I'm in the zoology world, and I'm going to the field. I'm going to an African savanna. I'm going to the Antarctic. I'm getting in a submarine off the coast yeah. of Australia. I'm going there. What is in the field in your world look like? Is it a cafe at outside of Georgia Tech? Is it going to a DC? Do you have like hot spots and um, of activity or how does that how does that work? It's all of the above. It really oh. depends on <laughs> the type of work that that we engage in, right? I mean so so in the context of for example us trying to understand hackers mm -hmm. and hacking, there's so many environments we can be in uh, in order to try and understand their operations. So for example um, there are many hacker forums out there. You can, you know, uh, log in and and make yourself a member. Mm -hmm. uh, open a sock puppet, what we call sort mm -hmm. of a fictitious identity, you're using in order to become one of them, mm -hmm. and simply listen to them, talk to each other. Uh, you can learn a lot yeah. simply by listening to listening right. to these guys talking to each other. Right. So this this could be uh, one of the environments, mm -hmm. a hacker forum. Right. Same thing could be on social media. Many of them um, maintain Instagram accounts and, mm -hmm. and Facebook accounts. So, you know, once you become friends with them, the environment that we study could be that, right? Mm -hmm. Because we can use this environment in order to engage and in order to try and potentially nudge them away. Now, from do a they know crime. that you know they're a hacker? They do not. Okay. All right. right. They do not. Right. Uh, so, so, 
so that's another way. Another interesting way in the context of hacking is to simply use the computer we have right now, mm-hmm. uh, plug it in the internet, and uh, sit and wait for hackers to find it. Uh, you know, and that's one of the things we do, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we simply wait for them to find the um, the computer, mm-hmm. and once they find the computer, find they find the IP address, they take over. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a couple of ways to do that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can infect it with a virus, then mm-hmm. you know that someone will come in, or you right. can put it on a, you know, on a Starbucks network and then wait for someone to take it over. I mean, there's so many ways, right? Mm-hmm. But you know, uh, under those conditions, the computer is my environment mm-hmm. uh, to study. The, the computer is the field, sort of speaking. Mm-hmm. So my field is very vast, mm-hmm. sort of speaking, in terms of understanding human behavior in online environment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, at the same time, um, and and we do it now. We do uh, less of this. We can we can uh, observe hackers taking over computers in a physical location, like mm-hmm. you know the location that, that we sit in. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it's con- It could be, um, you know, the 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 interaction right between what happens in the physical environment and the online environment. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so that's in the context of hacking. In the context of fraud. It's everywhere, right? Yeah. I mean, my my environment there is again social media, but also, um, you know, what happens on uh, f- financial institutions network, and what happens on the government networks, and what happened with, um, you know, the DMV's network. I mean, this, these are all very important uh, environments uh, which we know fraud flourishes on. Mm. Uh, so. Uh, it's it's a it's long a answer. It's a target-rich environment. That's what it sounds like. It's a it's a it's an interesting environment because again, as as we talked about earlier about the deep. Uh, once once you're online, um, it it really depends on the sort of platform folks are using on the or, or the website or or you know even even the device uh, folks are, folks are using uh, that will be considered my my environment uh, yeah. to study. How do you narrow in? Because like we were describing before, uh, under cybercrime, it's kind of like saying. Again, using our animal metaphor, um, whether it's the ocean or a land animal, hey, go learn about animals. Right. Well, you get, you know, where in what tr- what temperature zone, at what depth, at what, you know, am I just going out to the savanna and looking around, and am I uh, um, cataloging from beetles to birds and everything in between? How do you narrow in on? You know what you today we're going to get our net and we're going to go and we're going to pursue these things tomorrow we're going to get our fishing pole and we're going to go do these things how do you narrow in on um where you want to go because it seems to me like one with so much data and so many places to look it can be overwhelming and two if you're not careful you may hook something you think you're out there fishing for one thing and you may get something at the end of the line you're like "Uh uh-oh this is no bueno this is not some kid from peoria illinois this is something with some stars or some colors behind it. It's a state, and we don't want any part of this. We need to cut the line and get out of here. Well, first of all, we want part of everything, right? <laughs> uh, that's that's just the Israeli mentality, right? <laughs> Israeli uh, professor uh, researcher. Uh, yeah, uh, I think that's pretty funny. Right. Uh, so, so because uh, again, everything is interesting. Right. And and so when we when we start a project, we're all over the place trying to figure out exactly. I mean, we don't even know what the parameters are. I mean, yeah. we have, of course, certain parameters we. Um, we 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 try to maintain right? right, but but within those parameters, we are looking everywhere. We're collecting right. everywhere. We're trying to figure out what's going on. And and you're right in the sense that you know if if, if you if you generate this comparison to the uh, animal kingdom, mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, I mean, we, we are trying to categorize everything that is going on out there mm. because no, nobody else is doing this. Mm. And there's so much crime out there, right? So one of my favorite projects is a project where we are trying to understand emerging trends of online fraud here in the United States. Um, and and it's, it's good we're doing this because nobody else is doing this. And mm. once we do that, we're able to alert folks to the fact that there's a problem here, mm. right? Uh, and, and if folks pay attention mm. to what we're saying, they will be able to prevent um, some damages, mitigate uh, mm. a, a huge amount of, of damages mm. um, to, to their you know, clients, right? Mm -hmm. I'll give you an example, right? Maybe so in, in, um, we, we've been doing this for quite a while now. I, uh, I was a professor in the University of Maryland for uh, almost nine years. Then Georgia State reached out and mm -hmm. we decided to uh, move here because they allowed me to do whatever I wanted yeah. and sort of be all over the place. Mm -hmm. And uh, one, of, one of the efforts we uh, developed like the first week there was making sure that we're on the dark net, monitoring uh, illicit online underground Pause markets. Pause for a second. What's the dark net? So the dark or net- Or how would you describe it? Darknet is um, a part of the internet. Mm -hmm. um, it's essentially um, a, a place on the internet which requires you uh, downloading a different type of browser than the browser you're currently using. Uh, is that a Tor called, browser? It's a Tor browser, exactly. You're fitting in uh, a different URL than the URL that you're familiar with. I mean, the only difference will be, I mean, the, the, the URLs you'll fit in will be gibberish mm -hmm. and will end with .onion. Mm -hmm. And uh, what, what you will have there is essentially a list of um, markets uh, like Amazon, like eBay, mm. uh, which sell all kind of illicit uh, commodities. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, mind you, there's a lot of illicit activity uh, uh, taking place on the dark net, but a lot of legal uh, mm -hmm. activity as well. We there, there are many radio stations that you can listen to on the dark net. Mm -hmm. um, you can. Um, Does it give you a form of anonymity? And, and that's where that's right. why the dark net. That's essentially that's what we're trying to uh, get right. at. I mean, the dark net is not really a place where dark activity uh, take place. And the dark net not only dark activity, right? right. The dark, the, 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 essentially, we call the dark net the dark net because it gives you a lot of anonymity, which will make it very complicated for whoever is trying to track you to get to you in your computer. Right. right. I mean, that's what the dark net is uh, at the end of the day. Okay. Uh, it routes your. Um, uh, traffic from one computer uh, to another, like it happens mm -hmm. on the internet, but it encrypts it and uh, it uh, only tells the last sort of uh, layout, right? Mm -hmm. uh, for you to, um, uh, you know, when, when, when you're trying to sort of figure out who's using the internet. So that that is the darknet. Okay. Um, there's a lot of criminal activity happening there, but a lot of uh, legal activity. Facebook mm -hmm. is there, the CIA is there. Uh, it was developed by the Navy mm -hmm. um, in order to allow their... Uh, agents mm -hmm. um, to communicate with them safely without mm -hmm. uh, anybody uh, listening, but mm -hmm. you know, at some point, um, you know, there was there was a concern, right? Because it was used only by the military, and so they opened the network to everybody that will allow them to disguise where the traffic is coming for in a more efficient way. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, you can think about websites, uh, you, which you can essentially uh, access only using the store browser we mm. just mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of uh, legal activity, but a lot of criminal activity. Mm -hmm. So on the markets I mentioned, you can buy guns, you can buy drugs, you can buy identities, you can buy, you know, counterfeit money, you can buy people. Mm. Um, 
uh, a lot of uh, interesting commodities. So when we started, uh, we when we started this 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 um, work in in Georgia State, we embedded ourselves in the darknet and we started monitoring around sixty markets, uh, simply trying to understand what folks are talking about, what kind of commodity they are selling. Um, and it was fun because it was like monitoring Amazon, right? Trying mm-hmm. to figure out what is the what is the commodity of the right. month, sort of speaking, right? right. I mean, what people are working on, right? I right. Mean, uh, in addition, you have a lot of hackers forums there, as I mentioned earlier, so you can listen to folks listen. I mean, seeing right. and listen, right. what are they working on? <coughs> and, um, and and to me, it's exciting, right? I mean, uh, to see what folks are working on because when you're there, uh, folks are contemplating all kind of crimes that the authorities not necessarily know about, mm-hmm. right? especially not four years ago, mm-hmm. right? Since then, uh, the dark net lost its allure um, and, and we see people moving into what we call encrypted communication platform. Mm. Uh, so text message applications like um, WhatsApp or ICQ or mm-hmm. Telegram. So. Instead I have of, all of those on my phone. I right. Think. So, so you, we can, we can hook you up with some right. really cool markets. And so, and so, what we do is we monitor uh, those criminals and their shops that they open right. on those platforms. Right. Uh, simply trying to understand what's hot. What's the hot commodity? And right. in 2020, um, at, at the beginning of the pandemic, right, when we when we started sort of getting into our homes and right. being worried about seeing other people, we started right. seeing. Um, criminals uh, submitting more and more fraudulent applications for unemployment benefits. Oh, really? Um, and uh, and I, if you remember, this is the time where the government put a lot of a lot of resources, right, for 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 our you know for our people, right, yeah. to make sure make sure they can go through right. this really rough time, right? We started to see more and more uh, fraudsters using identities. In order to apply for unemployment benefits and and getting those cards, yeah, uh, those unemployment cards. benefit uh, right. uh, uh, cards, and started using them, right? So it, it was it was interesting because at the beginning it was a trickle. It was you know few people here in California, few people here in Georgia, and then right. and then Florida. Um, but at some point, right? I mean, I think it was April 2020. It it it, bega- it began to be really big, right? I mean, you started to see. People everywhere, right? a criminal everywhere, just using identities, submitting those uh, fraudulent applications, taking f- pictures, right, of of the debit cards they got, along with the identities they use in order to get the unemployment benefit, right. So we started tracking this, and then we started seeing the SBA loans. People were using businesses' identities in order to apply for SBA loans fraudulently, mm-hmm. right. Uh, so. And, and we started to see that growing, right? and then we started, you know, raising flag, red right. flags, saying, "Hey, this this is happening here. You, you probably want to pay attention." Right. Unfortunately, not <laughs> not too many people paid attention to that. And then um, I, I can say that a couple of months ago, maybe six months ago, the government came up with uh, um, an estimate of how much money was stolen during the last two years. And uh, you're sitting down. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you the number. We're talking about 146 billion dollars. I was going to guess 100 billion. This is the greatest heist of all time, right? If you think about Bernie Madoff and how much money he stole and the period of time it took him to steal all this money, we're talking about criminals stealing more than $100 billion over a period of two years, Yeah, right? And I guarantee you nation states were involved in that. We know that nation states right. uh, were involved in that, but where I sat, I saw a lot of domestic actors doing right. this as sure. well. Uh-huh. So... Uh, to your point, right, with respect to how to decide what to study and whatnot, had I been fixated about what to study, I probably wouldn't have 
discovered this, right? And uh, wouldn't have been able to alert that this is what we're seeing, right? right? I mean, and then understand the modus operandi and how these guys are doing this, right? right. And, and sort of try and help policy and, and, and make sure that everybody know that the tools we currently are using are not effective in authenticating the people who apply for, right. for unemployment benefit. But this is just one example. Another example from the last uh, a year or so, we're monitoring all those platforms. And uh, at some point, we're starting to see more and more checks um, and we've always, always seen checks, mm -hmm. right? I mean, on every, and, and uh. because we count everything like in the wild, we mm -hmm. categorize everything. Right. So I see a check, I'm trying to figure out where, that, where does right. it come from? And we have a you know, very large group of students helping us to do all that right. and developing tools. And it's a very tedious and right. uh, long process. So we started to see more and more checks. Um, but then in, in August, 2021, the number of checks increased dramatically, right? I mean, so from 100 and... Uh, 10 checks a week, we started to see around uh, uh, 1,000 mm. uh, every week. So we try to figure out what's going on, right? I mean, uh, it's kind of unique, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's kind of interesting because uh, we are seeing checks, but who's writing checks, right? right? I mean, this right. is one of the pushback. I was like, who's, right. got, who's writing checks <laughs> right. anymore, right? And why are they doing this? Right. We started to dig in, and then apparently what we discovered was that USPS... Uh, is not protecting their mailboxes, so we have all these criminals l simply breaking in, taking all our mail, washing the checks, depositing the checks in, in their accounts, and then cashing in millions of dollars on, on a daily basis. This was in January, this was in August 2021. We, we talked about this in January 2022, and there was a lot of, you know, um, media attention to that, but uh, Till this day, right? I mean, we see this is a huge uh, uh, trend. Like, I mean, banks are losing millions of dollars, right, uh, to this type of crime on a, on a monthly basis. Um, we were the first the, the first to, to discuss it because we didn't have any set agenda with respect to what to look for and right. how to look for. We were able to identify the trend and started talking about this. And and to me, that's that's the interesting thing. So. As I mentioned earlier, I'm going in the deep, looking yeah. around, trying to figure out what's what's going on, what's interesting, what's people what people are working on, and based on that, I sort of latch on, try to understand right. the crime, how much money we're losing, documenting it in a, in a very systematic manner, uh, in order to help guide policy and you know protect our public. I it's <clears throat> so many things have come into my mind since then. It reminds, one of the things that reminds me of my buddy Ed, who retired from the FBI a few years ago. I remember right after he retired, we had a conversation. He said, you know, I don't chase bank robbers anymore. And one of the biggest, identity theft was a huge thing, but specifically there was this, and this is, I don't even know how many years ago, four or five years ago. Um, criminals were figuring out how to, like at the moment, like midnight of uh, December 31st. So as soon as January 1 was here, they were filing fraudulent um, tax returns just for a few hundred bucks, three or 400 bucks. And they would get these debit cards in the mail. So the debit card would get to them within a few weeks. And when you'd go to file your tax return in February or March, or maybe even in April, you, there'd be a problem because you're trying to do it online and the IRS would say, no, you can't. Because, and so by the time you're done researching it, you went to go pay your $1,500 or your get back your 700 bucks. The IRS is saying, we paid you 399 through a debit card to this address. 
That crime's five months old, six months old, and there's so many of them. How do we resolve? To your point earlier, there's a few in the beginning, and once a few people figured out how to do it, sort of this net where like a scent went out, and it just overwhelmed the system. And I don't remember the number. I don't know that it was $140 billion, but it was a massive number and a massive problem. Uh, so that was one. The other is that, you know, in the news today, as it is this time of the year, every year, it's about debt ceiling and trillions of dollars in debt and all this other stuff. One of the things that I know about myself is if I feel like I have a scarce commodity that I really have to protect, whatever that is, I'm I'm vigilant. I'm on it. But if I feel like, eh, I lost that one, I can just go get another one. It's no big deal. It's I'm kind of loose around it. Um and I, then I don't protect it. And it almost, I don't know if this is related, but if the, the, the systems or the agencies or whatever that are being stolen from are like, eh, we've got insurance or we'll get it back or we can write it off or it's no big deal until it becomes a very scarce or very burdensome thing to manage. I don't know that they'll ever really address it in a way that, um, stems the flow. You know, criminal, my experience, I've not, I've had a very loose short-term career as a criminal in uh, uh, elementary school. <clears throat> my parents uh, have corrected me of that. They believe strongly in wall-to-wall -wall right. counseling. And so uh, um, my days of larceny were uh, short-lived. I didn't get to experience all the joys of it. But um <clears throat> The, the, it, it hurts so much, I never wanted to do that, at least not that overtly again. Right. I sure I've been a, a semi-criminal off and on over my many years. But it uh, as, you, as you look at this, anyway, those are all my reactions. It just feels like it's if until we're like really as, an, as a people and institutions really focused on, holy cow, there's only a finite amount of this right. stuff until we really decide that. We're, we're going to be exposed to this because it's hard work to be vigilant like that. So I agree with you 100 percent. And the challenge is convincing these guys. Yeah. Right. That so much money is being stolen from them. So, you know, in the context of the government, this is your money. It is. Our at, money. At, at the end of the day, it's, it's, yeah. it's our money. Right. So we should let the government know when something doesn't work right. right. They need to be aware of this and they need to fix the situation. Right. right. It doesn't make sense to me that $146 billion, I mean, to, to come uh, to, to some estimates, there, you know, some, some estimate, uh, estimates suggest that we lost less than that, right. some more. But let's agree $100 billion right. just, you know, for the sake right. of argument. It doesn't make any sense to me that the government uh, was supposed to send $100 billion uh, to our people, and they sent it to criminals. Right. Someone needs to be there and tell them, hey, whatever you're doing does not work. Right. right? Someone needs to document that. Now, the government will not do that right. because they don't have the resources. Sometimes they don't have the know-how. Right. Uh, they, know, they don't know where to look or how right. to do that. So, you know, someone needs to be out there. Right and categorize things like the animals you were talking right. about earlier and, and, and sort of trying to make sense of what, what we're seeing because right. without that, you would lose so much money. I mean, I, I'm, I'm under the assumption that we could have prevented, like governments around the country could have prevented at least half of that yeah. money being yeah. ended at the wrong hands. Right. Same thing with respect to the checks we're seeing right now. I mean, had USPS you know, thought about what we put out there and try to figure out a way to handle with, with this, this this pandemic we have right now with respect mm. to uh, mail theft, they would have been able to prevent it last year already. We're talking about a, a crisis that is going on for the last year and a half or so, wow. right? 
millions of millions of dollars that these criminals are stealing on a on a um, uh, monthly basis, and and this money goes back to the street, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of uh, in in the form of drugs and guns and 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 you know and people, right? right. Uh, this is this is whole. It's this, this double whole, damage. One, it's this not... is all government-sponsored crime, right? And uh, you know, and, and someone needs to be out there and and doc- document that and make sure that we are aware of those trends. And that's what we are trying to do. Um, of course, when we talk about the government, we need to talk about some of the policies and ways they are doing things and, and whether they work or not. Mm-hmm. And uh, if it doesn't work, we need to alert them that it, you know uh, the the companies you're using. They're not. They're not. They're not doing what they're supposed to do, right? I mean, uh, um, you know, we, we talked about it in the context of unemployment benefits and SBA mm-hmm. loans, and talked about it in the context of the stolen mail issue that we're experiencing right now. You know, same thing with respect to the financial industry. The financial mm-hmm. industry now is experiencing a huge issue mm-hmm. with with respect to um, uh, you know uh, identities mm-hmm. that are simply out there. Criminals figure out during the last three years that uh, ident- our identity is worth a lot of money for them because they can use your identity in order to open a bank account and then applying for credit lines and mm-hmm. open a company under your name and then apply for more credit and and take loans under your under your name and so on. The banks are sort of trying to figure out how to handle this. They still don't have the answer. So millions of millions of dollars that we are losing uh, in this country. Uh, you know, we're, we're still printing right money, mm-hmm. so that's good, I guess. Mm. Uh, if you like inflation, right. um, but you know, at some point we need to get to our sen- get back to our senses and say, hey, I mean, we need to stop, and this is what we need to do in order to stop. And then once we we do that, we need to figure out whether it works or not. Right. Um, so th- that's why we do what we do with the evidence base. Right. Usually, uh, my experience is when a, a hue and a cry arises, and the the regulations come in, they come in hard, and all of a sudden, um, we go from a wide open to a very restrictive, which which has its own set of consequences and legitimate people now struggle to get, uh, take advantage of the system or use the system. And so, um, uh, again, another, no, we, another area we can dive into next podcast, but I want to go to this area. I, one of the things that I've recently um, been exposed to is this idea of the hot spot. And so we talked before we started recording about this idea uh, in the recent past where police and trying to, there was a rise, there was a measurable rise in crime, whether it's just uh, street crime or specific violent crime in a number of major metropolitan areas in the U.S. And so one of the ways that they addressed, as I understand it, was, hey, let's put a lot more police out on the street and, and also and have the goal to have a much shorter response time. And initially, it didn't have much of an impact at all. And then somebody had the bright idea of connecting um, social scientists and other academia with the law enforcement. Mm -hmm. And they began bringing tools and ideas and thought leadership together. And they, I'm going to call it hotspot. I think that's how I understand it. They began to say, hey, look. Of the crime, of 100 crimes, half of them come from this very small area. Right. And so if how then can that inform how we address crime? And they were pretty successful when they com- once they combined those things. Do you have that same phenomenon in your world? Are there hot spots that can be identified? And 
um, bring these groups together so that you can make at least um, a more impactful um, uh, result than than what we're experiencing. Because right now it feels like you've been out sitting on this rock in the savannah and recording all these things right. going by you. And right. look, the herds are moving and cats and dogs are mingling and the things are going like it's all like how do we once we sort of get through that initial reaction of there's a lot going on way beyond just my web page got hacked. Right. There's all of this stuff for me personally, for my community, for my society. How do you, how do we come together with this hotspot idea, or is that an outdated idea? No, I mean uh, the hotspot idea is essentially uh, the idea um, Sherman and Weisbord came with um, uh, during the eighties, and um, I was uh, as a criminologist, uh, I was I was taught to think about and, and appreciate the hotspot policing. This is essentially the one of the important pillar of the evidence based approach because mm. essentially what uh, uh, Sherman and then Weisbord. Uh, talked about was the fact that we need to engage in evidence-based policing. Mm. Uh, so you, you're right. I mean, during during the 70s and 80s, we were experiencing high crime rates here in our society, mm -hmm. uh, very high murder rates and, and, and violent crime. And police departments tried to figure out how to handle this. Mm -hmm. And, um, and um, they were open to innovation because um, uh, they were engaging with social scientists, professors, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm were doing work around the issue of policing. And uh, those scholars, as you mentioned earlier, uh, found that most crime tend to concentrate in specific location, specific geographical location, and, and they termed this hotspot policing, mm -hmm. uh, hotspot, uh, hotspot of crime, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. And so what they, uh, what the scholars, uh, Sherman and, and uh, Weisberg did was said, uh, said, let's, instead of you know, spreading police force all over the place and expecting something to happen. Let's concentrate effort on those hotspots of crime and see what happens there. See what we can reduce the volume of crime in those communities. And it turns out that they, you know, they, they saw that crime indeed decreased mm. um, in those communities. And, and this finding has been repl replicated a couple of times, right, mm -hmm. um, in the United States and in other places around the globe, right? So hotspot policing is sort of a thing. Um, but but the, the the important thing to take from this is that these guys, the, the police, right, used evidence in order to guide right. their policing efforts. So when we when I started working on the evidence based cybersecurity approach, I I drew heavily on this type of research. You can you can think about, I mean, crime uh, or I would say violent crime mm -hmm. um, declined during the last. Um, 20 years or so, 30 years or so, we do see a little bit of a, uh, an increase during the last couple of, of, of years or so, but still in comparison to what we're experiencing sure. here in the 90s, it's right. it's nothing, right? So because it worked, right, and because folks use scientific evidence in order to guide their policy mm -hmm. with respect to where to deploy police officers, you know, how to do that, yeah, I, I, I uh, told, told myself, maybe we should use the same approach handling what we're experiencing now in online environments, right? right? So, yeah, for sure, the, the idea is, is uh, still uh, relevant in the context of online environment. And I'll give you an example from our own research, right? I mean, so we're trying to figure out, for example, we talked about uh, uh, those illicit markets, mm -hmm. uh, illicit online markets where, you know, drugs and identities and 
um, you know, counterfeit money, everything you can imagine, right, is being sold. Uh, and, you know, we know that law enforcement really like to make arrests. Mm -hmm. We know that law enforcement in the context of those markets I just mentioned, they really like to take the websites down. Mm -hmm. So the question is, uh, or the question we had, was whether those uh, arrests and, and uh, taking down of those, of those websites is really effective, right, mm -hmm. in, in reducing, uh, in, in, in disrupting the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And so what we did was we, as I mentioned earlier, we monitored um, a very large number of, of markets. Um, it happened that law enforcement uh, here in the United States, along with a um, few international actors, took down one of the markets. And so what we were able to do is we were able to understand whether the law enforcement takedown really impacted the ecosystem. Do you have any guesses with respect to how things look like? <laughs> The optimist in me wants to say one thing, but I can tell from your body language I'm going to be off. I, I'm going to say it was modestly uh, <laughs> successful. Unfortunately, it didn't work. <laughs> and so we have, at this point, strong evidence uh -huh. suggesting that taking down a website doesn't really work. Essentially, what happened once you take down a website, everybody's moving to right. other websites to do their businesses right. over there, right? So is it like going if I go to Costco and it's closed, I just go over here to Sam's Club? Exactly right. Yeah, yeah that's that's and so you know it takes time to maybe build a reputation, right? right. But at the end of the day, you know, right. uh, it doesn't really work. And now everybody's on on Telegram and WhatsApp, so it doesn't really work. So right. so you know the hotspot policing idea is really important, right? Because in a way, the whole idea came from you know trying to understand what will work in the context of reducing crime here in the United States, right? right. Uh, so we realized that. In some geographical area, there's high level of crime. We need to, you know, uh, focus efforts there, and then crime will decline. But it doesn't work, right? Uh, in in cyberspace, it doesn't yeah. work in cybercrime, right? Yeah. In the context of cybercrime, so it's important to produce this kind of information, this kind of evidence, in order to potentially guide a law enforcement operation. What we know that works uh, in terms of disrupting those markets is gossip. Mm. So once you start bed mouthing. Uh, or, or sending rumors around the um, uh, product or the legitimacy of one of the vendors, then you will see how things begin to deteriorate uh, in the context of the ecosystem. So you're cyberbullying the cyberbullies. Uh, so it's not me. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm not going to uh, ex right. uh, expose everything we're doing, right? right? Uh, but, but yeah, it, it looks like gossip uh, about and, and rumors right. really work. Yeah, right? and and so if you think the idea of hotspot policing, which essentially proved to be, um, you know, effective, right, in yeah. the context of uh, the offline environment, I think what we should do is we should do something very similar in the context of uh, the, the 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 rumors, right, and starting gossips and building sock right. puppets and starting, you know, trolling as you're saying, right, right? Uh, some of the vendors out there, and and maybe that will be a better disruption uh, of of the ecosystem. So. The hotspot policing is is a is, is a very important um, idea. Mm -hmm. Police departments around the country are still using it's it's it draws heavily right on, mm -hmm. on the idea of crime is focused on specific places. We know that in online environment, crime tend to be focused on specific markets, sp uh, specific platforms. Um, but you know, taking down the platform doesn't really work, right? right. In terms of disrupting it, uh, you need to think outside of the box, right? In right. order to make sure that uh, you dis really disrupt the ecosystem and and uh, and the criminals. That just is hilarious to me. Think of Peter Pan and Tinkerbell collaborating to slander Captain Hook, and he loses all of his crew, not because he's not a capable pirate. 
but because they're they're slandering him, and uh, you know, from the other pirates' perspective, you know, on online uh, trolling, that that cracks me up. How, we we've been saying a law enforcement a lot. Do they? I I I don't want to. I don't know if I want to ask this question this broad, but I'll ask it broadly. Do they see value in this? And I recognize we're talking about state, local, and federal, and so you might have a different experience depending upon who you're thinking of. But um, my personal experience, I'm not going to talk about law enforcement in particular, but just when a, I don't know, a family structure, a governmental structure, when a structure is built, we sort of think in a particular way. This is the right way to do it. And I don't need some new thing or some whatever to come inform me. It takes a lot of weight to persuade people, um, you know, in a um, in any society. Like those people that look different from us, they're okay. The, these people that worship differently or don't worship at all, they're okay. Like we have to overcome its deep in our social experience as human beings. And so is that, do you find a willingness to open to teams like yours or is there still a lot of resistance or how do you manage through that? There's a lot of resistance. Yeah, I can tell you that. But at the end of the day, once you present evidence, it's very difficult to argue with you, right? Mm. Uh, You'd think. Yeah, I mean, uh, so yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're right in that sense. I mean, um, I don't work with law enforcement, mm-hmm. uh, not as an academic, not as a consultant. I, I, I don't work with law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we get sponsorships from Department of Homeland Security to do mm-hmm. the research that we do. But at the end of the day, we can't really, I mean, other than... You're a researcher. Uh, exactly. Other right. than other than um, talking about the research and presenting the findings, we, we do not really uh, provide them with concrete evidence with respect right. to, you know... Um, I think that law enforcement during the last four years and with the work that we've been doing and the fact that we're all over the place uh, talking about this and engaging with them as well in conferences, they see value. Uh, The problem begins with budgets. Mm -hmm. The problem continues with the fact that uh, it it takes some time to process what I'm saying, right? Because Mm -hmm. as you say, uh, I've been doing things the same, the same way during the last 15 years. Now mm-hmm. you come here and you tell me that you have a better way to do this. I mean, I, first of all, I don't believe you because mm-hmm. I'm, I mastered this. This is mine. Right. And you're telling me I don't even think about this correctly. You know. Um, so we definitely see a resistance uh, there. But I can, I can say that we see more and more agencies acknowledging mm-hmm. right, uh, that uh, this approach... Is effective, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and and they should embrace this approach because mm-hmm. it will save a lot of money, mm-hmm. and it will simply produce better results. What percent of that hundred and forty billion we were talking about before, if you guys could impact that, would fund research organizations like yours at Georgia State and other places? Wouldn't it's, take much. Not not at all, not at all, right? I mean, and 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 again, I don't want to disclose too much, sure. right? No, no, I know, um, but uh, it's it's. Um, you know, it's 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 complicated, right? Yeah. Uh, to get these guys' attention, but once you have their attention, try to uh, nudge them in the right direction in terms of how to think about 
mm-hmm. uh, the crimes that they are dealing with, and how, um, it takes some effort, but it's not impossible. Yeah. Same thing with the banks. I mean, I think uh, uh, most of the value that we produce right now um, comes for the bank. Mm. Um, but it, it it has been a challenge, right? I mean, because again, when we first mentioned the check fraud mm-hmm. and and the fact that we're experiencing experiencing a, a huge um, crisis here. You know, nobody listened. Uh, you know, the financial institutions I were, I were talking to, they pushed back, mm-hmm. again, asking who writes checks anymore, right? <laughs> right. And then a couple of months ago, it looks like um, in their reports, right, which right. I didn't produce, right. uh, check fraud and check theft was the number one losses uh, uh, of, 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 of losses that they, they reported, right? right. Um, so once, once they see that, and so, and, and we have the reputation of, Raising the flag, saying, "Hey, look, look here, and right. this is what you should do." Ignoring once, ignoring twice, right. and they realize that, "Hey, maybe this guy really uh, right. knows something." Right. Um, and so they begin to listen more and more, right. and that's 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 exciting, right? Uh, because now I definitely think that there will be more and more sort of uh, value to implementing the work in the context of you know financial institutions' uh, workflow. So, what a crazy job you have, because. On the one hand, we're presuming human beings are going to be deviant. I mean, since Cain and Abel, we've yeah, you know, we've we've been deviant. But if nobody commits a crime, you don't have a job. Like you're just sitting on a rock watching things go by. Um, and so the other side of that means that's spectacularly hard because you're regularly in reactionary mode. If you see a pattern emerge that's different than an expected pattern, you have this wall of having to overcome an objection by people um, to pay attention. Right. Do I need to reestablish my bona fides again? Do I need to reestablish? Yeah, you do, because that's human nature. Um, And then by the time people do react, for example, this example, we're already some way down the road, and um, it's almost like in health, I have a friend that's become very, very sick, and they had been warned for some period of time, you know, this behavior will lead more often than not, unless you won the genetic lottery and you're the unicorn, to <laughs> this result, and they're in the middle of the result, which is tragic and it's heartbreaking, and we're all rallying around them, and um, but it's a result that could have been avoided by regular checkups and not doing that behavior in the first place, and you right. didn't do either of those things, and now we're in the middle of that, and now it's exponentially more expensive and hard and distressful to recover. And it feels like it's this, you're in the middle of, maybe you need to go back to your bride and say, we should be chasing squids. Because it's as satisfying as it is, it seems like it is, um, it is a tough gig to be in. I think, I think you're right. It's, it's, it's tough. I, I would say it's tougher than it should have been. Yeah. Uh, to me... Uh, one of the reasons it's, why it's so tough is all these experts <laughs> out there who who thinks they know everything. Oh God, and, the experts! And so we also call them consultants. <laughs> exactly. Or... So th- there's <sighs> so much noise that folks are producing at this point. As yeah. we talked about misinformation and disinformation, and and people just just you know, claiming right, just claiming they know everything. Right. Well, 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 really not uh, right. understanding anything, right? In the, in, in the topic they're discussing, right? I mean, and, and so. These guys really give a bad bad reputations to people like myself who who, who are trying to alert the right, right authorities for what we're seeing. 
But then, you know, they're looking at me, they're looking at another expert, ex expert uh, and I'm not claiming to be an expert, right? right? I mean, I don't want, I want to make right. sure that this is clear, right? I mean, but they're looking at another <laughs> expert that they've been working on during the last 20 years. They say, hey, this guy doesn't say anything. This guy claim he found something. I'm working with this guy for the last 20 years, so, you know, we're good. Let's, right. let's wait and see, you know, how things develop. Um, but, you know, hopefully with time um, and, and the fact that we're building reputation more and more, uh, institution will pay, will pay attention mm -hmm. to what we're talking about because I think that the major thing that differentiates me than the expert mm -hmm. is the fact that I, I, pro I produce evidence, right, that shows what is it that I see and what is it that allowed me to form a claim about mm -hmm. something that I see. I'm not just saying, you know, I've seen this, pay attention. Right. No, I'm showing you what mm -hmm. I'm seeing. I'm showing you... Um, you know You're how it looks like. Justifying why you think the I'm way I'm showing you, think. you how it looks like, and I walk you through my thought process. Now, if you don't agree with that, that's fine. If you right. don't, if you if you don't agree with my conclusion with respect to the fact that we are experiencing an increase in the volume of stolen checks in our society, it's it's okay. But right. you know, but if you agree with me and 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 you choose not to do something, then it's then it's on you, right? Yeah. Um, so hopefully with time, uh, more and more people will understand how we do things. And, um, you know, we, we're all over the place at this point because, because of the fact that we are, we're talking about those issues and we are flagging those issues. There are new issues coming up right now. So hopefully with the new issues we're seeing, uh, we'll see more and more um, or, or less resistance, I would say, more and more buying into what we're saying or at least, you know, uh, willingness to acknowledge that what we're seeing is not... Uh, you know, it's not, it's not bullshit. Right. It's not your opinion. Exactly. It's evidence-based here. Here's, um, it, when you were talking, you so reminded me of a guest I recently had, uh, Dr. Avi Loeb, and he would, he would react strongly to the term expert. I think, yeah. uh, Avi is, uh, tenure professor at Harvard, former chair of the, uh, astronomy department, astrophysicist, just a fun genius, really interesting yeah. guy. And I thought we were going to talk about Oumuamua, which is this object that entered our solar system in 2017 and left not long after that. And uh, uh, as he worked through what he believed the evidence, he said, look, I think this is what we should call this thing. Right. It's not a natural phenomenon. And mostly, we didn't speak about that very much. What we spoke a lot about was the um, reaction he got from the broader scientific community, the quote unquote experts. And he was like, there's such a lack of a curiosity, like our opinions have been formed, our minds have been formed, not, well, let's walk through the evidence. Let's, let's take a look at it. How did you get here? Not, not in a direct way, but not right. in a um, accusatory or obnoxious yeah. way, right? Let's be direct, defend your ideas, iron, iron sharpens iron. And at the end of it, huh, maybe I'm convinced, maybe I'm not, but we, we went through this rigor um, but there was no interest even in the rigor. It was right. just, oh, shut up. And um, it, it's, a, it's a phenomenon. Maybe it's always been there, but that I'm learning of more and more and more in these other areas of quote-unquote expertise, you would think there would be a joy of discovering and learning something new, but maybe that's just me being naive. So, so definitely the joy, mm -hmm. but also the professionalism. Mm, yeah. You know, uh, if if people, especially in the context of the scientific discipline, if people don't know how to think, um, then what kind of science are we producing? If people don't know how to respond in in a subjective, professional manner to a piece of evidence that they have in front of them, mm -hmm. and what guides them is essentially 
how their peers will perceive them if they say yes or, or, or not, yeah. uh, what kind of an award they will be missing if they will agree to go with this or, uh, you know, uh, t- other, other irrelevant subjective m- motives, then, you know, what kind of science are we producing? And, yeah. and to me, that, that is a major concern right now yeah. because I see it in my field. Um, in, in the chronological field, in the sociological field, where um, what, what guides the value of your d- discovery is where you sit. I mean, you, right. do you sit in, in Harvard or Cambridge? Who do you know? Right. Who your, your professor was? Right. Without really taking into consideration things that can not look like you're familiar with and that right. don't really come from prestigious places, right? right. But there are still... V- has a lot of value into right. that. So if, if we missed, as, as a discipline, I'm saying, mm-hmm. right, if we miss the ability to think clearly and objectively um, when we see evidence, a piece of evidence standing in front of us, then I, I don't know what science is uh, yeah. at this point anymore. And this, this is kind of sad because, you know, think about science versus religion. There are all right. these discussions, right? right? I mean, you know, what, yeah. what, what differentiates science from from religion, right? I mean, so yeah. you would, uh, people will say, hey, you can test it. Right. But if we are not teaching people to think, uh, you know, in, in the right way, and in the right way, I'm not saying my way. I'm, right. I'm saying this is this is the, the list of guidelines right. we need to go through when we think about this piece of evidence, right. and this is how we can get to the conclusion, and, right. and this is the discussion we should have. Right. Then how, how does science differ than, than religion? Right. You know? It's so funny you say that because he said in his mind, science or religion should not be at odds. There are many times we're trying to explain the um, the things that don't have a lot. You know, I'm not just pouring chemicals together on right. a bench, right? That's a fact. I can measure reactions. Right. That's where we start. That's where laws and rules are made. And from there, we move to theories and moving down the stack to hypotheses and right. then to hunches and guesses. Right. And there is... S- from no faith to lots of faith down this thing, because we have hunches and get, and we should treat them stricter and looser. But governing all of it should be a curiosity right. and a willingness to engage and a and a philosophical to the science. Right. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I've heard him speak many times. He was on the show, and and there's a winsomeness. And he was and he would also says like a sense of modesty. You know, right. when he talks about it as an astrophysicist, yeah. he's like, we're a planet in the back part of our solar system, which is on the back part of the galaxy, which is on the back part of the universe. Like, we're not the center theme of the stage of the play. There's a lot going on there. And so if we approach this with modesty and humility, not a lack of intellect, not without opinions or ideas, bring them with joy and whatever. And if they're not well-founded, you'll discover pretty quickly, but the well-founding shouldn't be... Well, I'm from a school with this name That's in right, it. That's right, yeah. It should be on the basis of the evidence, as uh, Dr. King said, you know, the content of your character, not the color of your skin. You can apply that to a million different ways. A friend of mine who's retired now was uh, CEO of Accenture Digital. And we had this really interesting conversation about, I don't know how we're going down there for cybercrime, but just to wrap this up, he was talking about they hire kids from the best schools, best schools meaning the most, the hardest to get into, right. to state schools, everybody in between. And he said, I'm not going to say that there's a direct ratio of um, state school versus Ivy League or these other prestigious schools and who makes a better employee, but I'm surprised way more by the elites that come out of these schools and their difficulty handling um, failure. 
as opposed to kids that come out of these right. other schools and their different their ability to handle failure because they're all going to fail and they're going to fail a number of times. It's not fear of failure that I'm working at. It's how do you manage your group? How do you adjust yourself upon failure? How do you accept responsibility? How do you like what motivates you? Right. Um, and then the result, how do you apply that to become better and better and better? He said, I am regularly shocked. This group of kids, very generally speaking, seem to deal with that a lot better. And right. he had his conclusions yeah. on why than this group. And I just think that there is a, uh, if we're not careful, that there's an opportunity in, across all of these disciplines to not look at the evidence as opposed to the credentials. And um, that can lead us into really wrong guesses. I, I agree. I, I uh I've, I've I've seen this in in my own career. Yeah, uh, I, I, I see it on a daily basis, right? Um, you know, I, I'm I'm lucky to be working where I'm I am working right now because I see a lot of hungry people, uh, people who are interested, right, in really understanding, mm-hmm. uh, people who um, do not come with with misconception with respect to how the world looks like or should look like. Mm-hmm. Uh, they simply try to discover. You know what's what's out there, mm-hmm. and as a scientist, yeah, that's exactly what you should be doing. Mm-hmm. But I think that definitely in the context of cybersecurity, this state of mind should be uh, should prevail as well. Because right. if you think you know how to protect a system and that you have all the answer, then to me you're not an expert. The real experts are the criminals. They know the system better than you think you do, that right. be- better than you ever think uh, uh, you will know the system. Right. They know exactly what's going on because they did not go to school. Right. And we didn't teach them to think in one way only. Right. They are constantly trying things. They are constantly trying to figure out a way to bypass that technology and right. that technology. Um, and, and, and if they can't do it this way, they will try the other way. It's trial and error. And they will, to tell the truth, I mean, most oftentimes these guys find a way to bypass right. all these tools. Um, they don't care about credentials. Right. They don't care about who built the tools and from, from which from which uh, uh, school they came from. All they care is you know what works and what doesn't. They got to make payroll. They're like an entrepreneur. They and, just got to make and, payroll. And that the approach that is the approach that that I like. Right. Because you know you're constantly trying to figure out what works and what doesn't. Once you discover what works in terms of infiltrating uh, right. an organization or stealing or whatever, then you know uh, you made it. Right. right. I mean. This is the same state of mind. I mean, the hustling, right, is the same state of mind that I think scientists should have, um, cybersecurity expert and, and fraud fight fighters as well. And, and yeah. we do not see that. We see, unfortunately, people fixated with the tools, with AI. I mean, this buzzword everybody likes right. to use without really understanding yeah. what it means, right? Yeah. Machine learning, right? right. And, and you know, these guys in the street, right, I mean, in, in, in online environments, they're doing this without an AI. Right. Right, uh, they just figure it out. Right, right. Uh, that is, is the state of mind we should have. I think, um, as scientists, we should be open-minded. Right, and we shouldn't really judge things based on, you know, our, our history and, right. and and who we friends with, what we're going to publish, and what this editor <clears throat> will say, and right. what this sponsor right. uh, agency will 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 decide to sponsor or not. We should 
be curious about this because at the end of the day, it will the benefit of our own society if, if, if we're right. successful. If we're cybersecurity uh, fighters, not experts, right. uh, and if we're trying to fight online fraud, we should have the same mentality. Forget yeah. about the tools. Right. The tools got you to where you're at right, right now, which is losing a lot of money. Right. Think about the ecosystem. Think about what is it that you're seeing out there and how they're targeting your tools, how they're targeting your organization. Based on that, try to tailor a policy or a tool that works and that you have evidence right. that, that could really result in, in uh, uh, successful outcomes. I, I want to ask you about uh, hiring a thief to catch a thief. But before I do that, it reminds me of um, t- two things, which is, you know, who's funding this the system now, probably some of the people who won that 140 billion bucks, hey, just keep your status quo so we can exploit in all these other areas. That's the obnoxious person to me. But I remember, I can't remember who wrote it, but I remember reading something by someone once who said, um, they were talking about this from a religious perspective, but I think it fits, you know, uh, the, the, the devil doesn't care um, uh, you know, the the devil, how do they phrase it? I'm, I'm messing it up. But it was something like, you know, the devil wants you to paint the silly caricature and all of these other things or whatever. They don't care if you believe in all of this other silliness, not the real fact, whether there is or isn't or some of these other things. I think that we can get so caught up in the activity, in the, the apps that I installed to protect myself or the um, – right. I remember talking to somebody once. I was like, yeah, I just put these really cool deadbolts on my – house you know they're the super latest whatever and they just started laughing they're like my man could you stop your next door neighbor seven-year-old kid from getting in probably could you stop a high school kid who's broken into a dozen houses probably not they're probably going to be in before you even know and they may or may not even touch your deadbolts so whatever is your pin code the same code for your garage door opener which is the same as your birthday or whatever I was like, you're fired. You're not my friend anymore. <laughs> hey, let me ask you this. In all seriousness, uh, one, thank you for coming on. We've been talking for a while. How do you persuade people to join the White Hat Brigade, either as a researcher, as an anti-hacker? How do you capture their imagination? I'm imagining, I know a number of people. I joined the Army in the early 80s, but I know a lot of people responded after 9-11 or in other circumstances around the world where they're like, look, it wasn't my life's ambition to defend something I feel like defending, but some event has happened. I either became aware of something or as a victim of something, or I feel like I need to serve to protect in some way, whether that's law enforcement or directly related to evidence-based um, um, security. How do, how do you recruit people um, to the idea of helping this good fight? That's a noble cause. I don't know that uh, you, I mean, I, there are a couple of approaches, but I don't know that you can recruit people. Um, We're just doomed. Uh, so uh, the, the way things usually work, you know, in order to be a hacker, uh, you have to start by hacking. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, most, the way we know it and the way the literature describes that most people start with hacking websites mm-hmm. or trying to hack into someone's phone. You know, by right. doing this, it's, it's, it's an illegal activity. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you can take one or, mm-hmm. one or other direction, so mm-hmm. to speak. I mean, you can be, you can really get the thrill, right, of getting into your father's phone and then, mm-hmm. you know, uh, sending money to your mm-hmm. Bitcoin wallet from mm-hmm. your uh, 
father's phone and then right. you using this like stealing money and then you know continue to roll with this and right. then you know grow and go online and find people who are like you who like to hack and you know hacker forums out there are mm -hmm. uh, very uh, vibrant in terms of the conversations that are out there you'll be able to find like-minded folks who will guide you mm. through the hacking process of not only your father's phone but mm. also a website mm -hmm. and then more sophisticated Uh, systems uh, which belong not to your father, right, mm -hmm. but belong to maybe your next door neighbor and, mm -hmm. and then to the school and then sky's the limit, right? right. Um, at some point, folks need to make a decision with respect to, uh, you know, uh, what do they want to do with their life? Are they comfortable with breaking security um, maliciously, what mm -hmm. we call, or not? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that is a point where... Um, you know, people needs to make a decision, right? Mm -hmm. uh, needs to sort of, you know, rely on their values, mm -hmm. uh, rely on their their decision-making process with mm -hmm. respect to what they will be able to get if they engage in white hacking, which means hacking for the government, so mm -hmm. to speaking, whatever that means, right? Mm -hmm. uh, whether that's white hat, black hat, I mean, right. gray hat, I right. mean, I don't know, right? Right. Um, Because again, we talked about it. Uh, our white hat hacker is maybe right. China's black hat hacker, right? right? Um, so, uh, so, but at some point, you need to make a decision. And I think you know there are many programs out there trying to recruit students to um, take all those you know, security programs that we put out there. Hacking schools. Um, we have hacking schools where we teach people well, how to we, hack. Well, part of part of what we we teach, right, in, in cybersecurity is we we teach people to hack in order to make sure that they know what to expect when someone hacks them. Mm. So so at the end of the day, uh, it's it's the resources that we put out there for the hackers which we know are out there, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and try to engage with them and try to lure them to come work with us and not mm -hmm. go work with organized crime group, right, uh, which will pay them more. Right. Right. Uh, so. Uh, But it's it's so, organized crime. I don't mean that from like an ethical thing. I just mean you make a mistake with an organization like that, it usually doesn't go well. You make an ex a mistake with somebody not like that. Maybe you got to work for a different department or a different organization. But how about Snowden? Man, I mean, you're talking about the mistake someone makes with uh, with an organization like crime, like 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 uh, organized crime. Look at Snowden right now. He made a huge mistake. Well, he went and released a bunch of stuff, right? Well, That's I mean, a, it's a mistake, right? Yeah. Uh, and and he and and he's wanted right now, and he won't be able to get back here anytime soon, right? right? So. You know, <laughs> the same mistake uh, you, you can make with the government, you can yeah. get the mistake with an organized crime, but at the end of the day, you know, yeah. uh, mistakes are meant to happen. So in terms of recruiting the white hat hackers, all, all we can do is just be there in the schools that uh, teach cybersecurity, teach hacking skills, uh, put together incentives for, for, for our students to join Department of Homeland Security and the FBI and CIA and the Secret Service and Department of Homeland Security. And uh, again, uh, you know, helping them uh, fight what we're experiencing right now mm. with the hope that neither the industry mm. will grab them because, you know, they, they these guys with these skills will be able to get uh, way more in the industry than mm. in the government. Mm. Um, and hopefully we'll be able to uh, uh, nudge them away from a life of crime and joining to an organized crime group. Yeah. Um, so 
I, I'm sorry, this is the best answer I can give under the circumstances, <laughs> knowing human and yeah. understanding human nature. At the end of the day, it's all about cost and benefits and yeah. you know, the value you grew up on and, and uh, you know, whether you feel comfortable uh, yeah. hacking on behalf of a government versus on behalf of an organized crime group. Yeah. Does your, uh, does your department or your group have a uh, website uh, that you... Uh publish so if people are more interested in the work that you're doing that they can follow up with you sure uh ebc uh, our website is ebcs.gsu.edu yeah we're also on linkedin we're have also you ever been Twitter. hacked um not that this is a gauntlet down to test, many times <laughs> i would say because you think about what we talked about i yeah. actually put traps there for people to hack them so many times uh, love it david thanks for coming on the show today i really appreciate it Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. I look forward to our next conversation. If you uh, like this conversation, hit the like button. And if you loved it, hit the subscribe button. We'll see you next time, everybody. Have a good one.